0: We're gonna talk a little union with the state, county, and municipal employees. If you want higher wages, let me tell you what to do. You got to talk to the workers in the shop with you. You got to build you a union, make it strong. And if you all stick together, boys, it won't take long. You'll get higher wages,
1: better working conditions, vacations with pay. Make your kids to the seashore Just as labor Wait. artists community has done throughout our history, every time we've been down, you've came to help us stand back up, feel good about ourselves. Every time we were ready to quit, you came along and encouraged us to go on just one more day. Every time we thought that we were outnumbered and outthought, you came along and you said to us, "You can do this." And most importantly, he actually made us believe that.
2: In June 1979, Joe Glazer, a composer, musician, and educator, active in the American labor movement, invited 14 other labor musicians to the George Meany Center for Labor Studies in Silver Spring, Maryland, to share labor-related musical and written compositions and to discuss the effective use of music, song, poetry, and chants in labor activism. The three-day event became an annual one, becoming known as the Great Labor Arts Exchange. This year, the 40th gathering, they missed a few years due to the pandemic, will take place June 15th through 18th at the Maritime Conference Center and Hotel in Linthicum Heights, Maryland. Everyone's invited to attend. Details at laborheritage.org. At the 31st gathering in 2009, Richard Trumka, president of the AFL CIO, spoke at the Great Labor Arts Exchange. Trumka died in 2021, but today we'll hear his voice again, plus some music from Joe Glazer. And on Labor History in 2,
1: the year was 1943. That was the day 50,000 striking rubber workers ended their five day walkout in Akron, Ohio.
2: I'm Chris Garlock, and this is Labor History Today.
1: Yeah, I want to start off with a story. Uh, I once got to, to sing on stage. Yeah. In uh, 1985, I was president of my workers, and we didn't have a strike fund. So we set up a special convention in Atlanta, Georgia, to uh, create a strike fund and do a couple of other things. And we set three days aside for it. Well, things went exceptionally well, and we got the strike fund and everything passed after one day. So we still had two days left. So we decided that we would have a song fest. And we brought in a a bunch of groups. Uh, Tom Jurovich was in, and uh, Joe Uline, and uh, a number of uh, performers came in. And we had these large screens on. And two of my guys that were exceptionally big, probably 400 pounds plus, were in the crowd. And they were having a good time. So I made them come up in front. And I made them sing in front of everybody. And everybody laughed and had a good time. And then when they were done, they looked at me and said, now it's your turn. And I thought, yeah, that's fair. So I sang uh, a couple of verses of Dark as a Dungeon with Tom Jurevich. and when I got off the stage, Cecil Roberts, my vice president, said, you know, he said, I, I, I can't carry a tune in a bucket. And I said, Cecil, you know the difference between me and you? You and I know that you can't carry a tune in a bucket now 2,500 people. No, I can't carry a tune uh, in a bucket. It really is an honor for me to be here among uh, what I consider my kindred spirits. Uh, and that's what you all bring to, to our work and to that spirit uh, of being brothers and sisters uh, that you spread. I think the, the visual artists and the musicians and the storytellers and other creative minds that infuse our movement with its heart and soul, you really do capture the imagination of our activists and both young and old. And along the way you raise up our ambitions to serve uh, and for that is what labor art has always done. It's served the the better angels of our natures. Now most of you know that I'm a mine worker and many of you know that I began working in the mines at age 19 beside my dad uh, in Nemecol in Pennsylvania and that I grew up. With labor art music dance theater, literature mining communities back then uh, there were they were everywhere in southwestern Pennsylvania and Virginia and they just teamed uh, with stories rooted in in our folklore and our folk life and our folk ways it seems like when things were bad we were working five days a month uh, that's what kept our spirits high that's what made our determination strong and kept us going when the times got really, really tough. Now, the, the Great Labor Arts Exchange should happen today, quite frankly, in every community uh, across the country. That's where it should be happening. Uh, a part of educating our kids and part of educating workers and a part of educating all others in the community as well about how workers really have triumphed through the years, through hard work and through solidarity. Now some of the, the greatest labor songs came out of the mines. I guess I should say more specifically out of the struggles of miners and our families. I would think of one back in 1931 in Harlan County, Kentucky when Florence Reese and her children were terrorized by goons hired by the coal company. At that time it was J.H. Blair because her husband Sam was trying to to organize a mine and after she quieted the kids she sat down and she wrote the lines on the back of a calendar. I think you know what they are. Come all you poor workers. Good news to you I'll tell how the good old union has come here to dwell. Which side are you on? Which side are you on? It goes on. You've heard that song I'm sure and Woody Guthrie and Pete Singer were singing with a group called the Almanac Singers when they performed it back in 1940. Pete still sings it, bless his heart. And a woman, uh, Natalie Merchant, and some group called the Dropkick Murphys uh, sing it as well. And I haven't, I haven't heard that one, quite frankly. You don't have that I don't have that one. I, it's part, not part of my collection yet, but I'm, I'm still searching, uh, and I'm sure I'll run across it. <laughs> well, Joe, Joe Uline had a, had a wonderful rocking rendition uh, a couple of years ago with his Bones of Contention, and Joe's still singing uh, our greatest songs and helping to build labor's fine art and culture. And I don't know if any of you know Joe's dad, Julius, but uh, he was one of the greatest... Uh, trade unionists, I think, that that I've ever met. When I was back in Pennsylvania, before the mine workers were affiliated with the AFL-CIO, his dad was the president of the Pennsylvania State AFL-CIO, and uh, he did more solidarity with us and probably shown us uh, more kindness than anybody, and I'll never forget him. Well, the, the point I'm trying to make with all of this is that art created by workers and our family to support our fights for economic and social justice uh, is what we pass on. Uh, why they remember us and what gives us strength generation to generation. Seems like we forget to record some of our greatest struggles And but for songs and literature. Those struggles would ultimately be lost in the long run. Now if anyone's ever taken a tour of the new display at the AFL-CIO building. It's called Working Class Heroes, a collection of film posters and stills. You'll see how workers are celebrated in popular art, uh, the movies. The mine workers' struggle uh, in Harlan County ultimately became an award-winning documentary by uh, Barbara Koppel. She's a fine filmmaker who has a had great success telling the stories of real people and struggles and real heroes, and in 1990, she told a compelling, and uh, she made uh, a compelling and powerful video that uh, about the mine workers. It's called Out of the Darkness. We asked her to do that uh, to celebrate our 100th anniversary, and that documentary, by the way, is 100 minutes long, uh, and it was uh, sort of symbolic. So that was a time right after we'd won a a very, very critical victory. We've saved uh, health care, our own health care, and the health care of so many widows and retired members because we didn't back down from the Pittston Coal Company. And that was a pretty pivotal strike, Pittston. Uh, It came at a time when the mine workers, and quite frankly, all of labor, needed to have a victory. Uh, And it became a, a rallying cry against powerful corporations that really tried to bully workers uh, and our families and take back from us. That was in the days right after the, the PATCO strike, you'll remember, when employers thought it was a great thing to bust unions and destroy them and go on their merry way. Well, we had a lot of support uh, on the picket line. And much of it really came from artists uh, who traveled all over the country to our uh, Camp Solidarity. Were any of you here, by the way, uh, at Camp Solidarity back at that time? Great, good to see you back again, appreciate it. Uh, You created a lot of music and a lot of murals and banners and it was just everything that kept our members buoyed up uh, and kept them going through what became a 15-month strike. And I can tell you one thing. This is the proudest thing I can tell you. Fifteen months, not a single mine worker crossed that picket line. Not one mine worker. (laughs) We had sort uh, of everybody was piled up against us at that time. Federal judges were issuing injunctions. State judge issues an injunction against us, finding us $500,000 a day, and the amount doubled every day. So it was $500 million, 2 million, 4, 6, or 4, 8, 12, 16, 32, etc., etc., and it reached this unbelievable sum. It was in the gazillions of dollars, and we ultimately started using it to make fun of and there was a, a couple of songs that people would sing about about the fines going up and how we were doing. Well, they finally settled on a paltry amount of $92 million uh, that was the fine that they levied against us. We went to the Supreme Court, and we, we ended up winning it because uh, the members just weren't intimidated, and they just they would not be moved. They just knew that they had to stand and fight, and they had to win health care for retirees and pensions. And if we had lost it there, probably 125 or 150,000 others would have lost it immediately. Uh, and we didn't think that that was a way that we were allowed it to go. So we weren't moved just like the civil rights anthem goes. So that, you know, we had people back then that were on our side, community people, and they came out all over they were ministers and preachers and civil rights leaders, and even U.S. senators and mayors and council members, but mostly they were workers. Workers coming to help workers win. Workers coming to stand in with, solidarity with workers. And it was uh, one of the most moving things I think that you could ever see. And I remember this one day that uh, we were out, we had meetings on Wednesday and it just started raining, one of the torrential downpours like you've seen the last couple of weeks around here. And there were probably 5,000 people there. And Owen Bieber was standing beside me, and Owen said, we'll probably lose the crowd. And not a single soul, none of them left. We were holding hands, everybody was holding hands, and we were all singing. And the more it rained, the louder we sang. And the louder we sang, the more smiles came on people's face. And even though they're in this terrible struggle, it was the way that everybody just got buoyed up and brought together. And that's what you do. And there's no way to really put that into words. It's just a feeling that you have to experience uh, by being there and being part of it from time to time. See, I don't think there's any more powerful bond than the one that's celebrated with song that's, that's interlaced with strong and proud voices, with harmony and good cheer that really comes directly from the heart. Then the auto workers, you know, they understood that back in at 37 at the sit-down strike. It was amazing. The union formed an orchestra outside to serenade the assembly workers that were inside, and then when they won the strike, They turned the orchestra into a brass band uh, that led a victory parade down through the streets. Uh, It was the thing that led everybody everywhere. Now, see, what you do in connecting with other workers and community through music and dance and graphic arts is not a luxury to the labor movement. It really is essential. And I want to applaud you for that. See... You, you actually put the movement into the labor movement, and you give unions flavor and tempo and relevance, and quite frankly, you just make us feel good all over uh, when we need to feel good. Yeah, I just read a, a story that uh, during recessions, that sales of candy bars go up, candy goes up. because people can't buy the big things to feel good about themselves so they want to do something they buy a candy bar and just sort of enjoy a candy bar when they do it well you're sort of the candy bar for the labor movement in good times and bad times so whether it's symbolic offering of bread and roses or dramatically acting out uh, by marionettes or voices raised in harmony on a picket line, you really connect our highest ideals for economic justice to the human spirit. And I've always loved uh, the marionettes, uh, particularly that giant Mother Jones, uh, who played a leading role in flushing out Mark Rich uh, from his Swiss chalet, back when the steel workers made ravens with a rallying cry uh, for all the labor. But uh, Mother Jones, uh, writer, organizer, hellraiser, uh, at the turn of the 20th century, really does live on today in the heart of our movement because of, of labor artists like yourself. And God only knows we could use a little bit more of Mother Jones in all of us. Uh, to raise just a little more hell and to raise voices just a little higher and to to kick the dust off the backside of a little more people. Now, I want to say that your work preserves her creative force even today and really does inspire a new generation of activists uh, to get involved to raise voices. So I congratulate you here at the 12th Annual Conference on Creative Organizing. And the 31st uh, Great Labor Arts Exchange. Your theme for this conference, uh, no more than ever, now now more than ever, raise your voice to be heard, is particularly per- pertinent now more than ever because the labor movement is really at a turning point. You know, after decades of retrenchment against corporate power on steroids, government is literally injecting the financial sister- sector as it pumps it up. Unions are being challenged once again to rise up and rise up we must. We've been buffeted by the cruelest of hoaxes. We're told that this is an economy that really raises the American dream. Well the American dream is beyond the reach of too many Americans right now. It's a nightmare. Unless you're rich and you're well connected. For most uh, workers, the economy's proven to be a house of cards, built not to last, uh, at least not for the most of us. The investors who put in place, uh, with the government's support, I might add, have sort of ran off with the loot. They had a tremendous party for the last 30 years. We didn't get invited, and when the party was over, they asked us to clean up and to pay for it. That's what we're doing. See, there's something seriously wrong with the system that encourages a family to purchase homes that they can't afford, to take jobs that companies ship overseas, and to put their money in savings plans that's tethered to Wall Street greed. They may call it pensions. We call it, quite frankly, a scam. But we now, right now, I think we really do have an opportunity to change a lot of that. With a new president who shares our vision for jobs and opportunities and with a pro-worker majority in Congress with an economy that badly needs the balance that only unions can bring to that economy. So just like in the 30s, when the excesses of the American uh, robber barons demonstrated the need for federal regulation and worker or organization, the situation is remarkably, remarkably similar today. We have the fabulously rich investor class that continues to capitalize on federal largest, and we have millions of working families struggling to make ends meet in an economy that is in the tank. So just as unions helped to build the middle class after the Great Depression, we're poised to restore the middle class right now after this new global uh, economic crisis. And that's where you come in, because we need your help. We need your creative efforts to connect what we do to the dreams and to the aspirations of working people just as labor artists community has done throughout our history every time we've been down you've came to help us stand back up feel good about ourselves every time we were ready to quit you came along and encouraged us to go on just one more day every time we thought that we were outnumbered and outthought you came along and you said to us you can do this and most importantly, you actually made us believe that. And for that, we owe you a tremendous debt of gratitude. You see, we need your talents right now to showcase the importance of the Employee Free Choice Act and healthcare reform that provides quality and affordable healthcare for everyone. We need your creativity to connect our 21st century information job uh, age jobs with an opportunity to the hopes and the dreams of everyday people, everyday working people, because they can see those jobs passing them by. Whenever you're a 55-year-old and you got laid off and your skills have been used in one way, and now they tell you you need all these new skills, you really do need somebody to lift your spirits up, to give you some hope, to make you believe that you can do it. And we can do it, and we will do it. See, the arts community has never been shy about transforming problems into the light of a new day. Duke uh, Ellington once said, when asked how he he wrote a song, he said, I merely took the energy it takes to pout and wrote some blues. Now, quite an understatement, particularly coming from him, but he surely captures the creative process, both simply and magnificently. From our struggles and from our our frustrations come the seeds of hope and the seeds of glory. A few years back, uh, Tim Robbins produced a film about the Depression-era federal theater project uh, and the effort to to stage uh, the, The Cradle Will Rock, a vision of workers rising up against the ruling class. The original musical uh, by Mark Blitzstein was was sabotaged by conservative politicians and their industrialist patrons with a whispering campaign about communism and un-Americanism. But Roberts, quite frankly, showed that art will not be silenced by fear and by intimidation that it'll find its expression and it'll find its appreciation even if it's 62 years later. See, real labor art, I think, is the byproduct of our bravest actions and our deepest convictions. By nature, your work always, and I mean always, shines through. So don't be afraid to raise your voice and be heard. Now more than ever, we need you. Now more than ever, workers need you. Now more than ever, the country needs you. And I look forward to standing beside you and singing off tune, dancing a little bit out of step and out of beat, trying to draw a stick, Ben, while you're doing beautiful art, but to let you know that I appreciate it. We appreciate it. And more importantly, God, we need it. Thank you.
0: Would you have freedom from wage slavery, then join in the grand industrial man? Would you from misery and hunger be free, then come do you share like a man? There is power, there is power in the band of working men. When they, stand, when
2: they stand hand in hand, hand in and that's it for this week's edition of labor history today you can subscribe to LHT on your favorite podcast app even better if you like what you hear we sure hope you do like it in your podcast app pass it along and leave a review that really helps folks to find the show Labor History in Two is a partnership between the Illinois Labor History Society and the Rick Smith Show. That's a labor-themed radio show out of Pennsylvania. The 2023 Great Labor Arts Exchange will take place June 15th through 18th at the Maritime Conference Center and Hotel in Linthicum Heights, Maryland. Everyone's invited to attend. That means you. And you'll find details at laborheritage.org. Our music today included Talkin' Union and There Is Power in a Union, both sung by Joe Glazer and Which Side Are You On, sung by Natalie Merchant. Labor History Today is produced by the Kalmenovitz Initiative for Labor and the Working Poor at Georgetown University. The Labor History Today team includes Ben Blake, Patrick Dixon, Leon Fink, Sherry Lincoln, Joe McCartan, Evan Papp, Jessica Pazak, and Alan Weirdak. For Labor History Today, this has been Chris Garlock. Thanks so much for listening, keep making history, and see you next time. That's
0: a, power, that's a power, that must rule in every land. One industrial union grand. Come all ye workers from every land. Come join in the grand industrial land. Then we our share of this earth shall demand. Come on, do your share like a man. For there's power, there is power in a band of working men. When they stand, hand in hand, that's a power, that's a power that must rule in every land. One industrial union grand, One industrial union grand.